What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Sound of Movement podcast. Today, we are going deep on injuries, uh, rehabilitation, and all things load management. This is a super, super important discussion for anybody who's experiencing pain symptoms right now. Strap yourself in. We're going to take a deep dive. Good morning, peeps. This is uh, the first time I have been on the podcast for a while, and it's uh, the first time I've been on the podcast alone for a long time. I've got, of course, I'm not alone. I've got the voice of God, Richie, behind the mic. Say hi, Richie. Hey, guys. So today we're going to uh, make up three shows worth of content from our content uh, strategy here in one podcast. Uh, and the reason we're doing that is because we've all been on vacation lately, except for Richard. Richard's been doing double shifts at the gym and uh, making up for everyone's slack, slack asses. But uh, I've been away and I've only just come back. We didn't do a podcast yesterday, but we've decided to kick things off with a big one today. So we're going to cover three separate topics. Why understanding pain science is so important for recovery and progress. This is a discussion that we usually have uh, our resident physio, Phil White, on the show for. He's very, very passionate about the uh, pain science concepts. Uh, We're also going to cover why most injuries are caused by poor load management, not movements themselves. Movements don't hurt people. It's piss poor load management that injures people. And finally, we're going to cover the difference between macro and micro loading and why technique matters most. Uh, These are three very important topics. I do apologize. I'm going to talk fast because I do want to get through them. And we're going to share some stories, Richard and myself, about how we have mismanaged load and how, you know, uh, learning about load management through our interactions with some of the best physios in the country have really, really helped our physical training. So first things first, to kick things off. Uh, there, you know, there's a notion that we experience pain in the area, area of pain as though there are pain receptors. Who's heard of the term pain receptors? You know, you've got your, your, your pain receptors somewhere in, in, in the limbs, under the skin, in the muscles, in the tissues. And, uh, and th- it's those pain receptors that send the pain signal to your brain and then your brain perceives the pain signal. That's not actually the case. And uh, what, uh, the way we interpret pain is actually all through the brain. And the, the good thing about this is that as we learn more and more about pain science and we un- un- start to understand how the brain works, we can actually learn to tone down, dial down uh, uh, the experience of pain, pain symptoms. Now, I know this sounds quite uh, far-fetched, but trust me, it's, it's true. It's the case. And uh, this is something that I've been putting into practice a lot since I started to read the work of Norman Doidge. He wrote uh, a number of great books. The two that were the most profound for me were The Brain's Way of Healing and Uh, The Brain That Changes Itself, which was the first book that I read. And in The Brain's Way of Healing, he goes deep into his experiences um, visiting research centers and uh, universities in the U.S., where they're doing a lot of pain science research. And what they're, and, and the reason why they're doing this and, and why it's so important is because uh, people that sustain quite serious injuries, um, a great example or a common example is uh, military, ex-military uh, um, soldiers who have uh, you know, p- potentially lost a limb or suffered a really, really serious injury. 
they um, often experience phantom pain in the, the limb that's no longer there. And it's very, very difficult to overcome. Uh, the, 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 you know, they've had uh, the injured area of the body amputated or they've lost it and they still experience pain. And so, let's say they have an amp amputated leg uh, just below the hip. Often they'll still experience pain in the knee and the foot and areas of, the, the, of that limb that are no longer there. And the only way, no medication can treat it, the only way that they're finding success in treating it is to learn and understand pain science and learn and understand how to dial it down. And this is something that I was oblivious to until I met Phil, our uh, resident physio. Uh, and we started to talk about this and it made a lot of sense to me because uh, it's something that I've worked through on a personal level myself. I uh, had a, I've had a number of big injuries, nothing as bad as having a limb amputated, but I did f uh, have a horse riding accident when I was a young child, uh, falling from a horse that fractured a few areas of my spine and, and caused a lot of damage and caused a lot of long-term uh, pain. And it wasn't until I, I, I got a little bit older and I started to dive deeper into this stuff that I learned that a lot of the the, uh, the symptoms I was experiencing needed to be addressed on a psychological and an emotional level, not just on a physical level. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that uh, later, tomorrow actually, uh, the concept of uh, injury identity. But the first thing we need to understand is that pain, although we experience it in the area that we uh, hurt, it might be the fingertips, it might be the hand, it might be the wrist, the elbow, wherever you have hurt yourself, you, you roll an ankle. The, the there are no pain receptors there. There are there are sensors, of course. There are there are nerves, and the the, the nerves are sending signals to and from the brain, and the brain then uh, uh, determines whether that is uh, a problem for the body, and if it's a problem for the body, then it will. Um, uh, cause you to experience a pain symptom, uh, a pain experience. And those pain experiences all come through an area of the spinal cord that can and uh, be addressed. And Phil sort of described this to me as almost like the volume switch on a stereo. You know, when we first hurt ourselves, the volume cranks right up and we experience that pain quite seriously and it can be quite traumatic uh, and then over time as our body becomes used to it and we start to go, go through the healing processes the brain starts to turn that volume down and um, what they're finding in 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 the research is that you can actually do that uh, yourself you can learn to turn the pain down and uh, turn that volume down which is very very interesting very very interesting now uh, that's the first thing that we usually like to talk about when we do this series on uh, rehabilitation and load management. And it's hard for a lot of people to grasp. Uh, I get that, you know, it, it, someone here sitting here telling you if you're in acute pain and someone's telling you that you can just turn it down with your brain, uh, <laughs> you might find that quite frustrating. I certainly would have back in the day when I was experiencing severe back pain. And of course, like anything, it takes um, a lot of work and it takes, uh, I guess, a lot, you, you, you know, you need help. You need someone to guide you through that process and that's what they do in these, uh, in these research centers and in these special hospitals. They help to teach you how to overcome your pain symptoms. Uh, it's not something that you can just go and do. Uh, I've certainly experimented with it myself and uh, I've had um, uh, both positive and uh, negative responses if the pain is 
like absolutely severe. It's very hard to dial down, um, but you can certainly do it. Uh, the next thing I want to talk about is why injuries are caused by poor load management. And this is one of the big key lessons that we teach our tribe here at Unity Gym and on the UMS Online Coaching, the concept of load management. It aligns very much with progressive overload. And, uh, um, you know, I'll give you an example. At the moment in the gym, we're doing a wave loading method. It's a, it's a strength overload technique. It's very, very common, and it's quite an advanced overload technique. Uh, but And Richie, you can chime in here and tell me, because you're teaching all of the classes right now with, with in Rad's absence. Do the beginners do the wave loading? And if they do, do they, uh, are they allowed to go to maximal load? No, we're not, we're not getting beginners to do wave loading. It's, it's a more um, progressed, advanced weightlifting protocol. Yep. Um, mo some, most of the people that are coming in um, have a little bit of training experience, but they're not at that level yet. So we, uh, we put them through a more basic uh, conditioning phase first to get them used to all the movements before we even really test max strength. I think that's really important for all new people to train that they don't test max strength until the movement is perfected and they have a quite a good understanding of what they're doing. Yeah, and that's a perfect example of load management. Uh, Richard is managing the load of the beginner um, uh, the newbies to, to to the UMS and the and Unity Gym, and uh, and that's very very important because during that period, and we're going to go into uh, this in a moment with the difference between macro and micro loading. Uh, during that period, these uh, people are adapting to the exposure to exercise, the stimulus on a daily basis. That's the first thing. Our program is unique um, in in it in and of itself by the fact that we. We encourage people to train every day, uh, five or six days a week. Uh, we don't do lifting on Sunday usually, unless you're on a different sort of uh, uh, program split. But um, it's a lot more, it's a radical intervention, uh, exercise intervention, and uh, most people aren't used to that. And so that in and of itself is the first load that needs to be managed that is uh very very important just by coming and turning up to unity gym not even by maxing out your weights not by trying to get all of the volume in every workout that the senior guys might do just by turning up every day is the first load that needs to be managed and um these these different i guess I, uh, modules of stimulus have to be layered and that's how we manage load. So what Richard's saying there in, um, in the fact that the, the new guys don't do the overload technique, uh, that's an, an example of managing load. If you came in and started a gym and you'd been training three days a week and you've now jumped to doing five or six training sessions a week, uh, strength, flexibility and fitness, and then you also threw on top of that a really advanced overload technique like a wave loading cycle that would be poor load management and when we um when we miss low uh, manage load that's when we injure ourselves and this is the most important thing for people to understand progressive overload is key to as it sounds pr progress in in your training uh, but also to avoid injuries because injuries generally only come when we're exposed to something that our body is just simply not capable of uh, of um, handling. And 
You know, a great analogy that Phil sort of talks about with load is that you know, if you if you imagine that your your body is is um, uh, like a cup. Uh, and when we expose it to stimulus, it's like filling that cup with water. Um, the, the, the more experienced you are, the bigger your cup and the more you can handle. The, the more of a beginner you are, the smaller your cup and the quicker it overflows. And when it overflows, we hurt ourselves. And I think that's a really great uh, analogy because it's really clear to understand. As you are, are in your first or second year of training in a, in a really like proper environment where there's proper program periodization, there's, there's all these things are, are, are considered, uh, you are considered a beginner. You're an untrained individual. You may have done uh, you know, marathon running or a little bit of gym training in the past, but if it's been sporadic and not under proper conditions, then um, we, you, know, you have to take all that into consideration. You've got a small cup, and as Richard said just before, you know, you're, you're experiencing people come into the gym uh, who are uh, experienced in regard to the fact that they've done gym training before. Yep. But when they start UMS, it's very challenging, right? Uh-huh, yeah. yeah. You, gotta, you gotta start people at the right capacity, yeah. the right cup. Yeah, that's you know, exactly right. Give them the wrong cup, and yeah. Well, we know what happens. We we become injured, and uh, and that's what uh, you know why it's a it's a topic of discussion on our uh, on our um, communication strategy because it's just so so important to understand. So the the next thing we want to talk about, we understand that that um, that pain is is uh, is something that we all pain, and I know this is hard to grasp for some people, but all pain is perceived in the brain. Of course, you can overload or cause a, a trauma to an area of the body that becomes injured, uh, um, uh, and and the brain is going to make you experience pain in that area. Uh, but the pain is still a, um, it's still manufactured in the brain, by the brain, to sort of protect us from, from continually hurting ourselves or hurting ourselves even more. Uh, and with conditioning, with, with, with practice, with help, with the right training uh, and awareness, we can affect the, the pain symptom. Uh, we can actually um, alter the outcome of the pain symptom, but it does require, first of all, awareness, and that's all we want to achieve today. Uh, second is why um, uh, the the need for load management very very important. We need to manage our load, uh, which usually the most in its most basic form is to really understand and deploy progressive overload in your training, whether it be for flexibility training, whether it be for strength training, or whether it be for cardiovascular training. If you start something new irrespective of whether you're a trained individual and you've done some form of exercise before, always, always approach it as though you have a small cup and you're just, you know, um, uh, working at the capacity that you've got right now available to you. Don't overflow your cup, don't injure your body. The last thing we want to talk about today is the difference between macro and micro loading. And this is really, really important because a lot of people don't really quite understand this. And it's very interesting to watch Phil and, uh, and Nilesh and the guys who work um, more with professional athletes as physiotherapists 
work with their clients or patients um, because most of the stuff that they do after they do um, an initial assessment and, uh, and and get a bit of history around what's occurring in the body that they, they work very much out on the gym floor especially uh, Phil and um, what he works on is uh, really dialing in people's form and technique in movements and this is super super important because um, when we when we don't use correct technique uh, or our technique is is not quite there yet we expose the body to more and more load and the loading variable becomes very hard to manage it's it's sort of an uncontrolled environment we want the gym in most cases to be a controlled environment Un very different remember we, we we talk about and i digress a little bit here we talk about the difference between training and competition when you're in competition it's an uncontrolled environment almost anything can happen but when you train you want it to be a controlled environment because we train every day and it, and you just cannot sustain a healthy body if you're out of control every single day that's why we can't compete on a daily basis and that's where certain uh, exercise philosophies sort of fell over a little bit initially like CrossFit where people were encouraged to do WODs, really intense uh, randomized training um, every single day. It just overloaded people's bodies and most people hurt themselves. Training is con a controlled environment and uh, one of the most controlled principles in training is your form and technique when you're doing movements. And nine times out of 10, when Phil has a really big breakthrough with a client, I watch it on the gym floor, it's just correcting or perfecting technique. And this is something that, the, uh, that Richard and Rad are doing extremely well out on the gym floor. We've systemized our entire workout so that the warm-ups and the cardio circuit or conditioning circuit at the end, uh, there's actually monitors there that demonstrate the movement so people can stay on track so that their focus remains primarily on the workout zone where people are doing their strength and flexibility training, the more advanced lifts, so that they can really dial in the cueing and the coaching and the technique um, mastery in those movements. And, and that's one of the more important parts uh, and unique parts of our training, you know, um, our, our training system. And the reason that's important is because we are exposed to two different types of load in our lives. Microloading is how we, um, that you know, how we exercise in the gym. The technique that we demonstrate, dialing in your squat technique, dialing in your uh, your deadlift technique, dialing in your bench press technique, and those things usually have huge breakthroughs in people's strength and ability. The macro loading, which uh, often people don't take into consideration, is what we're doing outside of our, uh, our workouts. And this is another way that people really poorly manage load. So to give you an example, uh, a lot of people get really, really sore, um, problematic lower backs from sitting in chairs all day. And the reason that happens is because uh, 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 sitting in a chair is a macro load to the lower back and, and, to, and to systems in the body, postural systems. You know, if I was to sit crooked like this all day long, uh, I'd end up with quite a, a sore lower back, probably a sore neck, uh, because I'm asking my body to sit uh, and, and endure long periods of time in an awkward position. That's what we consider a macro loading uh, variable. Uh, uh, another macro loading variable would be if you, are, uh, if you have to move house. This is a really common classic example. And we've all moved house many times. I know Richard moved just recently, uh, as did I at the start of the year. 
I think, or maybe it was last year. Time flies. Uh, and, uh, you know, you spend the entire weekend uh, lifting heavy stuff, moving boxes, moving furniture. And, um, and, and then, you, you know, you, you get to Monday and you want to hit the gym as hard as you would usually do on any other day. But you don't really take into consideration that for the two days that you would usually be either resting, recovering, or doing lighter workouts, you've just lifted all day long, sometimes more than you would usually lift in a workout. And so you're carrying that fatigue from the macro loading of moving your house, moving your furniture, uh, moving your belongings into your workout. And that's another really great example of the second point, uh, you know, really bad load management. You are going to expose your body during that workout to excessive load. Your cup is already full from the, from the weekend. Mm. And now you go to the, to the workout and, uh, and overflow the cup, you know? Yeah, well, what's probably more common, um, people do sports outside of the gym as well. So great rock example. climbers. Yep. Um, rock climbing is a classic, yep. classic when one. you're doing a lot of gym work where you're upper body is frequently used, your, yep. your, your grip strength is frequently used, yep. and then you go outside and you're doing all these sports as well, you're just, yeah, again, that capacity, the cup is getting filled up over the edge. A good example, um, why don't you share, you train Tom, who's a rugby player during lunch times here, yeah. and uh, you guys have had to change the workout split so that it doesn't overload him for his training and game day right why don't you yep. explain what you've done there oh it's pretty simple like we just basically um we don't follow the program um template exactly to the day we just um program his leg days on other days that doesn't affect his his uh game days and his uh, his training his days. training yep yep so he gets enough recovery and he feels good for it yep so that so the so the example there um uh to expand on that is you know, um, our client here at Unity Gym, Tom, is a rugby player. And if he was to do a heavy leg day because he trains at lunchtime before he goes to training in the evening for rugby, uh, if he was to do, and I actually went, went through this myself many years ago when I played soccer, uh, I used to, you know, for, for a short period of time, I tried to do leg days on training day. And uh, I got to training and I could hardly move. And, mm. and very, very quickly I started to strain muscles and, 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 uh, and tear muscles because once a muscle starts to become overly fatigued, it, it, the elasticity principles and, 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 and the, its ability to contract and extend start to um, diminish. And you expose yourself to tearing and, uh, and micro tears and, and, and also major tears in the body, which, uh, which result in uh, acute injury, you know. Um, and... So that's just another good example of how we man help our clients here manage load by um, changing. Although we have a set program split that everyone follows uh, Monday through uh, Friday and the advanced guys, the senior guys come in on Saturday. Uh, we, if, if we've got an athlete training, we have to change that split because we've got to factor in that we can't tell them to stop competing and we can't tell them to stop training. Our, our training at Unity Gym is to provide a foundation for athletic performance, strength, flexibility, and fitness. And we encourage people to deploy that in, in, to, to some degree in either a sport or a hobby or something that they're passionate about. It might be CrossFit, it might be rugby, it might be yoga, it might be rock climbing. Uh, all we do is provide the foundation for all of that. You know, we 
Uh, if, if you don't have a sport, we, in, we introduce calisthenics and calisthenics becomes your way of demonstrating your strength, flexibility. Um, and it's a, it's a great way. It's a, it, it, you know, you, there's some cool stuff you can do. You show off. It's, it's, it's to some degree, it's competition. It might be you versus you, but not, not necessarily because you see someone else do a move and then you want to try and do that move and you want to unlock it. So it is certainly a, a means of, of demonstrating and, and competing. Um, but a lot of our, our members actually, our, a lot of our tribe actually do participate in sport. They have a sport that they demonstrate their, uh, their strength, flexibility and fitness, which is fantastic. But often, depending on the level that they're competing at, we have to alter the program to suit. And that's how we manage load. That's how we manage uh, macro loading and uh, micro loading. So what we want you, what we want to wrap up on is to, to make sure that you guys understand that you know, um, exercises themselves don't injure people. M poor load management injures people. And load management can become, can come in, in different um, uh, ways. It can be through range of motion, you know, pushing your body into a range that you're not stable or, or strong in uh, or flexible enough for, you know. Uh, um, flexibility comes from the body becoming um, stable and strong in that range. Uh, and it, it may come from just sheer overload. You may actually just lift a weight that is far beyond your ability on that day or in general uh, due to macro loading or just due to um, a lack of strength. And that causes instability and, uh, and problems in, in the body, you know. Um, these different ways of mismanaging load can come in a, a variety of different um, scenarios. Uh, but what's most important is to understand that that's what causes injury. It's not a squat. You know, you might have hurt yourself doing a squat because you, uh, you, you didn't manage load properly. You pushed yourself too deep in the, uh, in, into a range that you weren't ready for. or You lifted a weight you weren't ready for. For some people, it, it, you know, um, load... Uh, uh, can like load can be mismanaged just by moving in a way that they're unconditioned for. An example might be picking up a suitcase off a off a turnstile when you're travelling that weighs 20 kilos. Uh, I've I've heard of people twisting and bending over to pick up something very light and throwing their you know, the, the, uh, causing a spasm in their back, a muscle spasm, because their body goes, holy crap, I don't feel safe in that movement, therefore I need to inhibit it. Don't do it again. I'm going to cause a really painful spasm in your, in, in your lower back now to make sure that you don't try that again, you know. Um, and so, you know, load management for that person is, is don't do that movement at all. You're not conditioned to do it. You know, you need to strengthen your core and your, your back and, 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 and build some confidence in your body so it doesn't cause those, those um, uh, back spasms or muscle spasms, you know. And then on top of all of that, you need to understand that if you have, if you have caused uh, uh, an, an issue, a spasm, a tear, uh, you're experiencing pain, that that pain is something that's being generated in your brain. All pain is generated in the brain to protect you from harm or to let you know that you've done something that uh, the body did not like. It might be obvious and you might be bleeding out everywhere because uh, you've opened yourself up. But uh, if it's less obvious and it's, uh, super, it's a... It's a 
it's a deeper uh, issue uh, that you can't see, then uh, your body's going to tell you that it's hurting and, uh, and you need to uh, sort that out and either let it heal or if it's been a long time uh, uh, since the injury and the injury is, is, has already healed but you're still experiencing issues, then you need to start learning how to dial that pain volume down so that you can get back on with your life. And, uh, and, and a, a good physiotherapist will help you through that process. Uh, get in touch with us and we'll align you with Phil or Nilesh, the guys that work here. Uh, and um, uh, we're going to talk about what happens tomorrow uh, on tomorrow's podcast. We're going to talk about what happens when you fail to tone that volume, that pain volume down. Uh, and you start to form an injury identity, something that sticks with you for a very long time. It's, uh, it's something that I've certainly dealt with. And I'm going to share with you uh, the story of how I broke my back and, uh, and what that did to me through my adolescence, uh, teenage life, and uh, how that inhibited my ability to, uh, to perform at the highest level. Uh, all that and more coming up on tomorrow's show. Thank you for joining us today, Tribe. Thank you, Richard, for sharing some of your insight in training uh, the Tribe here at Unity Gym. We'll see you all tomorrow. Thanks, guys. Health is about performance, not just body image. You better be willing to accept what you're going to have to do to get there. We'll start focusing on movement goals, strength goals, flexibility goals. When you nail that skill, it's there forever. The body image goal doesn't get you that far. It's the consistency and frequency that's going to get you there. It's not the intensity. There's no shortcuts to mastery and movement. Destination doesn't change overnight, but your direction will. It's the gym is not the place to beat up the body that you hate. It's the place to build the body that you love. We are the gym that teaches people how to move instead of just exercise because we believe that health is about performance, not just body image.